Roll it. How are you doing, guys? Amazing. Welcome to Hybrid Unlimited. Amazing. This house this is, is This is your first, your second time here. No, it's my first time. Oh, because we were on your podcast, but then we, ah, but we didn't have time to record. We did, no, we did a podcast at, at, the, at the, gym. The, uh, the gym. Yeah, but yeah. for you. Mm. No, no, for you. No, that was us. Yeah, yeah, so it's your second time. Yeah, it's my second time on the podcast. First yeah. time at the... At the oh, okay, gotcha, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Give yeah. me um, an elevator pitch of who you are. Oh, fuck. Okay, so strength and conditioning coach, performance coach for combat sport athletes, boxing, MMA, judo. Been a professional fighter for eight years with American Top Team, left American Top Team. Now I own my own facility, opened up my own facility at 22, have these two outstanding athletes in, another athlete that's sitting across from me, um, able to work with like-minded individuals on a daily basis. So I'm blessed. Amazing. How long ago did you start your uh, online portion of your business? Um, fully about a year ago. Yeah, I think I think that has definitely helped me reach the masses. You know, um, being able to do seminars around the world definitely helped. Um, but really, really been at it for about a year now, and we've been seeing tremendous growth with that. So I'm happy with it. More so the programming, but also the mentorship too, as well. The mentorship with other coaches. We have over 400 coaches now from around the world. So it's easy for me to actually get to help these coaches work with other athletes. So now I can hit not just athletes that I work with, but the athletes that my coaches work with too, as well. So it's it's a bless. Yeah, I wanna I wanna get into the business aspect too, but let's let's get uh, introductions through. Mo. That was Phil Daru, you guys. No? <laughs> Maureen Shea, a two-time world champion boxer and Phil Daru's executive assistant. Um, I coach, you know, I, I do that part-time. I, I like working with the girls, you know, helping you out and, and Kessie and all the other girls. Um, I don't know, that's really it. You've been fighting for how long? 22 years. 22 years fighting, professionally 15 years. Um, yeah, it's been, I know I've been, I've done everything in this sport now, managing Jake Bostwick for bare knuckle MMA and boxing, which bare knuckle is what he's doing right now. And so I pretty much done everything in this sport except referee and judge. <laughs> I just realized that I've promoted, I've now I've managed officially, um, boxed, uh, yeah, done a lot. I've done PR for boxing, done a lot of stuff. Wow. 22 years. And you are, you've done some work with, uh, in Hollywood too, no? Yes. I worked with, yeah. Worked with Hillary Swank for million dollar baby. That was, a uh, like 23, 24 when I did that. And, um, what did you have to do? Like train her? Just train with her. You know, her primary, was her primary sparring partner, studied me for the character. I just shared a lot of my life with her. A lot of the struggles of female boxing and it's a lot different now. So back then it was more just, I mean, women are, are, are more accepted obviously in the gyms now. And it's not we weird to see female sparring in boxing, but back then it was very weird. And, uh, you know, if anybody saw the movie, they'd see how she was treated in the gyms and it was kind of like confusion and like, oh, she doesn't belong here. And nobody wanted to work with her or, you know, pretty and tough don't go together. Like, you know, it was just very, very like that. So, um, it was awesome to share my story and to see the evolution of, of female boxing now where it's at from where it started. It's awesome. So you manage Jake Botswick. <laughs> yes. That is me. God damn it. <laughs> Can't take this English guy anyway. Sorry, my first little bit dry. Anyway, We're going to need subtitles for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my name is Jake Bosswick. Um, I'm from Southeast London. I'm living out here in Florida. Uh, training with Phil Daru because he's his condition coach around and he's my brother. Um, I've, got, I've got Mo looking after me now as well. You know, managing me, trying to stand on top of my shizzle. <laughs> What brought you over here? Um, originally, I come here training. Originally, was again at American Top Team, um, and then yeah, left there. Now with uh, Phil Daru, he's a performance center, and with uh, Derek Santos and uh, Maureen Shea, 
obviously for my boxing. Um, you know, best team in the squad, man. I see, it really is the best team around, and uh, you know, I'm I'm so lucky and so fortunate to be around you know, mm -hmm. such people, and, and the effort and the love that they give me, and the effort that they put in with me as well is it's amazing. It's a blessing. Jake, I want to start with your your trajectory as an athlete. You started in MMA or yeah, something else? Yeah, I started else? in MMA. Yeah, and I started well, yeah, judo, but I started in MMA actually competing uh, when I was sixteen. Um, I used to lag my date of birth, change my year of birth to, to compete as a professional. Remember my <laughs> debut? I was sixteen. I was at, I was at school doing my exams. Yeah, it was on a Sunday. I had a I had a science exam, and I said I was sixteen. Like I was a child, man. And um, I blagged my date of birth, and you could head stomp, like you could jump and like stomp to the head and everything. What? Like, I was sixteen, bro. Like, when I really look back on that, that's that's crazy. But yeah, so that was my debut. I'm not the kid out in uh, in uh, nine seconds. I've got the video somewhere on my page. But yeah, I got a nine second KO. He was 24. He was a grown ass man, you know, six foot four. Bro, he's a beast. I was a little baby. Like, no tattoos. <laughs> crazy. But yeah, I went from MMA. I've been competing in MMA for 14 years. So obviously since I was since I was 16 to I was about 29 and then I made the transition to boxing mm -hmm. and now I had one boxing fight I had one white collar thing and then obviously now I just took my gloves off and now I'm doing a bare knuckle what made you make each of those transitions so MMA to boxing and then boxing to bare knuckle <clears throat> um, I just wanted to get into the boxing scene anyway I was always been interested in the bare knuckle scene just because I'm British and we like to fight and I think it's just so raw and it doesn't get more raw than that. So if you're fighting on the highest level of toughness, then I'm, I'm already there. So mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I enjoy competing at that level. You feel me? And it's nice to be able to concentrate on just my hands because there's a whole other art taking it away from the MMA side of things. Not having to worry about wrestling, kicks, submissions and everything else. But the transition was obviously, you know, I enjoy knocking people out in MMA. And I just wanted to transfer that, make my boxing an art, which I really am, again, with these guys, you know, and uh, yeah, took my gloves off and it's just awesome. Cool. Yeah, Bare Knuckle's super cool. And I think it's getting the attention of a lot of like just general population people yeah. because all the casual watchers of like MMA, boxing, mm -hmm. I feel like what they are attracted to most are the knockouts. Like they just yeah, want to see people get knocked out. And then Bare Knuckle is delivering that, you know. It's just straight up action. Yeah, it's just straight up action, you know. What's like, What's interesting about the bare knuckle too is it's still evolving, so it's like that curiosity, you know. It's still at that curiosity place where people are like, oh, what is it? Like what? And then they come in, and they're trying to figure it out, and they're like, oh my gosh, like they're always wowed but by at least one fight. They're always wowed. So it's still like I said, like you know, it hasn't withstood the test of time yet, like boxing has, and then MMA is now doing that. Mm -hmm. um, bare knuckle is going to go through that, but I think right now it's the wow factor. But as it evolves, you're going to see these fighters get better, and you're going to see more of a of a style to bare knuckle and uh in it's awesome because jake is in the the infant stages of trying to figure that out but i mm -hmm. think his style is perfect for 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 the sport mm -hmm. you know we just got to you know um, fine-tune a couple of things but i think that he's going to be super successful and become a world champion of bare knuckle yeah i have no doubt song. yeah <clears throat> you heard that here first <laughs> when uh when we went to watch your fight we went with the whole hybrid crew and three of our people just couldn't they watch it. Couldn't watch it. Wow. Yeah, like it was like yeah. too graphic for them. The first time you stepped in, it was when I think, uh, what's the name? Yuli knocked out the kid in like yeah. two seconds. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. It was the first time they came. Yeah, yeah. 
That's crazy. Mental, man. Actually, yeah, for some people, it is just a bit much. It is a bit much. Like, my mum couldn't watch it. My mum watches all my fights, watched everything. And now she life. can't watch. But she didn't watch that live. She, she was texting. After the fact, yeah, she could, though, once she knew you were all good. Then afterwards, I was like, mum, and then even a week later, I don't think she had. I was like, mum, just watch the fight. Like, mm. I'm good. Like, I'm fine. I've got a couple stitches in my mouth. Like, I'm Gucci. Like, I won the fight. It's all good. And then she's like, all right, all right. And she watched you back. She went, okay, it wasn't too bad. Well, I'm up, you know, it's, it's what I do, you know. So. What, what I liked a lot about your fight was it was the only one that night, I think, that went the distance for yeah. one. And then I felt like there was just way more artistry in your fight from both sides, mm-hmm. both you and, yeah, and, yeah. and the guy you're yeah. fighting. Yeah. Uh, you know, technique was like very obvious. It wasn't like a slugfest. Yeah, you know? it I was. tried to keep it clean. I think place, you know? because it had to be like that because of the size difference too. Like he had to be really smart with his movement and he had to like, and Tyler, who he fought, had to keep him on the end of his punches. So they both had to kind of otherwise like just coming in like that. It's almost, it, it's almost impossible, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's what Styles. people got to see and appreciate was, you know, styles make fights, but them too, you know, and Tyler had just fought a boxing match. So he had a boxing background, which I think mm-hmm. made the fight even look that much better you know and and jake like i said he you know he comes low he rolls you know he moves and he's just super aggressive so it was a perfect stylistically stylistically matched fight yeah yeah i loved watching that on the more like technical side of things i know that mma for a period of time i'm sure and i think they still do in some areas like they have to be approved by different commissions in different states right Mm -hmm. to in order to be there yeah and that's why a lot of the fights were in Vegas and started mm-hmm. there and whatever. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's why a lot of the bare knuckle fights are in Florida. Yeah. Are, is it super limited? Is it harder than any it's of the other combat sports to get like bare approved? Knuckle, well, bare it's knuckle? different. It's different. Yeah. So um, Biloxi, so Mississippi so is approved them. Um, they're doing Kansas, I believe. And they're doing um, here. And actually, uh, I just put... Uh, David Feldman in 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 contact with somebody in Alberta, Canada too. So oh, cool. you know to bring it over there. That's Canada's Texas. Yes, it's the, right, it's the right spot for sure. Really. So yeah, they're really and oh, that's shit. actually um that that contact came from Jake. You know, it's Jake's old trainer. So it's it's cool to get people really interested that want to bring it there. You know, so there's definitely a a, a call for it. Well, that's how MMA got started. Mm-hmm. They started in like Alabama, Tennessee. Then they started to move over because you had the UFC going into Vegas and everything there. But it wasn't until just recently it got passed in New York and the bigger, bigger states. So I think that that they're following that path a little bit, you know, and it's going to come down to the fact that everybody's going to have to agree and accept the fact that this is going to be a new sport. Mm-hmm. I was actually like on the fence about it, to be honest. When I first seen it, I was like, eh, I think it's going to be it's going to be short lived. Mm-hmm. But now watching it and seeing the transition with these high level athletes, these fighters coming into the sport and treating it like a true sport, but also it being very aggressive. Mm-hmm. People like that. I mean, the only thing left for them to do now is to have bats and chains in that motherfucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're going to have the toughest guys in that sport, whether, whether it be combat sports in general, right? The strikers, um, boxers, whatever, they're going to want to come to this sport because that's the truest test that you can do. It's very primal. And that's what, you know, we've been taught genetically through years of living, you know, mm-hmm. it's the most, you know, like I said, the most primal sport you can ever do because everybody understands it. Everybody yeah. understands fighting. Yeah. yeah. 
Most people have at least thrown a punch in their life yeah. or been punched. You got to have a certain kind of like a mental thing. And I was talking to some, some females about that too. They're like, man, I, I like to punch, you know, some, one of the girls, are but I would never want to get hit in the face. And even my best friend, Melissa, who she's competed in, you know, in, in bodybuilding and stuff like that. But she was just like, she's really good boxing. She hits really hard, but she's like, I don't want anybody hitting me in the face. And I'm like, no, I get it. You know, it's a different thing. And you can't really think about that when you go in there. Like people would ask me like, how does it feel to get hit in the face? I'm like, well, I try not to get hit, but you know, when I go in there, I can't think about that. I have to think about what I'm about to do. And there's definitely something, something different about fighters that, that are like, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah. 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 It's, it's what I uh, was telling Bonnie the other day, a friend of mine who's getting into boxing, Mm -hmm. we were talking about it. And the way I see it is like, the first time you get hit in the face, you know, when you're after you practice your pads, whatever, and then you have your first sparring session, then you actually get hit in the face. You either love it, okay. like it like turns you on completely or you hate it mm-hmm. and like, you, know. you don't want you don't want to get in there anymore. Yeah, you're tested. Yeah, you get, you get and everybody gets tested. I got tested, too, when I was, you know, I was 17 and then um, I was 18. I think I had my first sparring session with a female and I, too, just like how you were doing. Like I was sparring with guys and stuff, but I'm like. I don't really know, you know? And then I remember I got hit with, by a female who had more experience than me and she cracked me. Best thing she ever did was crack me right in my jaw. I stopped the sparring and I was like, hold on. I was like, you know, I had to think about that for a minute, but then I went home and I was crying. So I was so frustrated mm-hmm. and I went back the next day and I'm like, no, I'm here. And yeah. that's been it, you know? So yeah. that's that, that test. And I think yeah. everybody gets it. But a yeah. lot of people quit from that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, of course. That's how you know. It's not for everyone, yeah. but the first time they get hit in the face, they either love it or, mm-hmm. or don't want anything to do with it. And I think a lot of people think they're tough <laughs> until they get punched in the yeah, face. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what? There's, there's, there's a not. pivotal time in every fighter's career where they actually get truly tested and it usually comes in. It can come in training, but it can really come into your fight. Like, I know, I know he had, he had it. I know she's had it. I know I had it where it's like the real true test of an individual is going to come from when the, all the chips are on the table and everything's on the line. And then from that, you're going through a position and situations that you feel like you may not get out of, like literally may not get out of. And that's really going to show you who you are as a person inside. And so that's where the fighting really can show you who you are as a person and you can get through any obstacle if you go through these positions in these situations. Phil, what was your, uh, like your, not, not ranking, but what was it called? Like your streak? As far as what? Fight? In MMA, yeah. I, I went as an amateur, I was undefeated. Then I started, when I turned pro, I ended up opening up my own facility. And this is where, this is why I say focus is, has to be structured. I lost focus in my pro debut. I fought a really tough guy. His name was Kurt Hollibaugh. He fought in the UFC. I actually was in Louisiana. Dustin was on was in the uh, stands too as well. So that's that's how funny how it came full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the main event and first cut to 155, but I wasn't training. I wasn't really doing much. I was running the business. And so for that, my focus was off. So I ended up dropping my first two pro fights because my focus wasn't there. And I lost in stupid fashion. It wasn't like I was getting beat up or anything like that. I lost through decision-making hmm. and the decisions that I made inside the cage because of lack of focus, because of lack of training cost me the fight, getting caught in submissions, so on and so forth. So when I decided to make the transition into coaching, that's when I had more of an understanding of this is what I need to do. This is what I need to focus on. And I can't go bounce back and forth. Can't be on the fence, mm-hmm. you know, but I ended up winning my last fight uh, pretty decisively. And that's when I had focus because I had people that were working for me in the gym that I can actually spend time training. 
So I always tell people, especially new fighters, if you are on the fence about it and you're not all in and you have other things going on, I always say burn the boats, you know, because if you burn the boats, you can't, can't go back. You're on the island. You better do something to make sure that you can stay alive. Mm-hmm. And that's really where I live my life by now. But I was undefeated. Like I said, um, I beat a couple of guys that were really good, went to the UFC. And then when I turned pro, just focus was off, ended up losing two fights, three fights, ended up winning my last two fights. And then that was it. Mm. You know, I actually ended up getting concussions and a series of concussions. And that's when I was like, all right, it's time for me to make the transition to coaching. Do you experience any symptoms? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I have eight concussions that I can, that I know of. I I played football since I was seven years old, played college football. So accumulation of that, my last fight or my last training session where I got a concussion, I was two weeks out from my last fight and it was a freak accident. I was just sparring. One of my teammates came and he did like a spinning back kick, kicked me in the back of the head, basically. And we were just drilling. It wasn't even like a real sparring match. It was like technical sparring. And I was concussed for a little bit. And usually, you know, you get rocked, you know, you kind of get back to it. But I was concussed for a a few days and uh, finally went to the neurologist and he put, you know, put put some tests on me and said that basically if I don't stop by the time I'm 50, I'm going to get Alzheimer's. Like I was like, all right, whatever. So I still kind (laughs) of... Trained a little bit, but I was still off. Like I'd get punched, jabbed in the face and I would see stars, but I would be like, definitely not in the right frame of mind. Like definitely concussed still. So I was like, what's going on? And memory was gone. Like my short-term memory was, was losing it. And I was trying to go back for my PhD at the time. And I still, I was like, man, it's weird. It just, I couldn't really get the connections that I, that I used to get. So I ended up calling my coach, Dean, and he was like, man, listen, if it was like your, you know, if it was your knee or your, your wrist or something like that, you could come back from that, but it's your brain. <laughs> so, you know, I, I had to make the decision and it was, it was a hard decision to make because at the end of the day, it's just like you, we put all of our efforts into this particular sport and you don't see it to where you want to see it or go to where you want to go. And the whole goal for me was to make it to the UFC. You know, that was the goal. But, you know, again, things happen for a reason. And I just pivoted and that's, that's where I'm at now. What about you guys? Do you guys ever think about that? It's like your, like I think CTEs and, and brain damage. Yeah. I mean, it's, you have to, you kind of have to look at that and if it's a reality, you know, and, and that's why I've always taken it so seriously. Like I've lived my life the way that I've lived it. And a lot of people are like, you're like the most disciplined person. I'm like, I can die in there. You know what I mean? Like, and the repetitive repetitious, you know, repetitive blows to the head. Like I, did, you know, my brother, my brother was a pharmacist, you know, and he was like, you know, why are you doing this? You know, and it was a big thing for him in, in, you know, understanding. And, and my parents felt the same way. And people always ask me, you know, why are you doing this? And I'm like, listen, I want to be the best that I can be. So defense and anybody who knows me, who's seen my fights and, you know, my movement, that's been a huge part of, of me, why I've been so good about, you know, using that movement mm-hmm. because I want um, longevity in my career. And actually David Feldman, we had a talk the other day and he was like, you know, Maureen, the reason that you can still do this at your age is because of your style. You know, I'm not going to go in there and brawl. So, you know, that's why I have, you know, over 30 fights and, you know, I'm, I'm in my late thirties and I'm like, I'm still good, you know, plus obviously the work that I'm doing with Phil, which is keeping me, you know, sharp and keeping me right. And, you know, having the people around me that I have is huge. I think having the right people is the most important. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think is like with Jake, 
you know, it, when he asked me, you know, when we talked about me managing him, I had to really think about if I could give him all of that because I look at him like, you know, it's like my child, you know what I mean? Like, and, if, and his mom feels that I felt it too. Like I was losing my mind ringside because I feel so responsible. There's a, a, a huge responsibility, you know, that I have on my hands and knowing that, you know, I chose this opponent for him. You know, I was like, I approve the opponent. Then they sent me another guy and I was like, no, this opponent, you know, so I was like, okay, we're ready. We're good. You know? And then, you kind of have to give it to God after that. But, um, you know, so I feel it for myself, but I also feel it for him and anybody that I'm connected to in there, you know, even you guys at the sparring, you know, I, I feel that just because I know, you know, so it, it's definitely a thought, but understanding how important head movement is. And that's why I'm feel big on, on teaching my girls movement with their feet and movement of their head and defense. I think your defenses could be your best offense too. Mm-hmm. So. That's key, man. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. I think yeah. going back to the bare knuckle fighting, I think from a medical standpoint, bare knuckle is better because yeah. you mm-hmm. get less blows to the head sure, that's yeah. what they're that's what they're saying yeah. and yeah. you also yeah. you also it's punch at like 70 percent, right like you're not gonna you break open your hand right you're not gonna throw good. other than maybe a broken hat, knuckle or whatever and, and that, a few cuts on your face like exactly it really but you don't get that many punches uh-huh. no. and that's what they're and saying they're about boxing that hard. yeah that's why there's more depth in boxing than mma yeah you're absorbing them punches the sponge boom boom and the sparring and this is you know going back to the brain situation and now we've eliminated like unnecessary sparring mm-hmm. you know like- and that comes to that's derek like that and there's a thing in boxing you see a lot of coaches that don't like they're like you have to be like when i remember when i when i came to derek he was like you know you're sparring you don't need to spar when you're in camp you need to spar twice a week that's it mm-hmm. cuz yeah. he thinks about that and that's important to have a coach that understands that too and then put in put in the like talk, talking about obviously lacking on the sparring a little bit and then adding the movements mm-hmm. and then the head movements mm-hmm. after and before everything like it's mm-hmm. absolutely like game changer especially mm-hmm. obviously fight with no gloves on mm-hmm. you, you know i heard you talking about it earlier but for the listeners, I'm interested for you to say it again. Just the difference in how it feels getting hit uh, okay, and also yeah. throwing a throwing punch, a punch. With, uh, with and without um, gloves. Uh, it feels really nice. When, <laughs> when, <laughs> He's when grinning from ear to ear right now. Yo, <laughs> for those that can't, there are no video, but uh, <laughs> like glowing with that grin. Unless you're in a dog fight and you're holding someone and like trying to bury your hand in someone's face, you're never going to understand it. Mm. But in that competitive, that, you know, that, alphaness and you know that you know I, I don't know it's just you are on the top of the top of the food chain there and you mm-hmm. really gotta you know dig and I think you know when you feel them shots it, it kind of feels like a punch like a like think about it as like an MMA punch but like it just feels a little bit harder and you legit feel like bone yeah, on your don't. knuckles you know like it's a solid stop no uh-huh. little cushion it just is just like yeah, I train all the time without um, um, without gloves. So I just wrap my wrist. Um, I wrap my wrist pretty tight, and I'll take my wrist and I'll go one hundred and ten percent on the bag, on mitts, whatever, whatever drills I'm doing. So my hands are always taking damage, you know, like mm. that. So they're they're solid. My my this knuckles like pathetic. It's so big. <laughs> Ew. Really. Let me yeah. see it again. You can see it. That like got bigger though. Yeah, it's, yeah, I know. That is crazy. Yeah, I think it is bigger. Not ideal. Does it feel different? <laughs> it's just big, man. 
It's just mm. really big, isn't it? That's, I, I think most people don't even understand that, like, hitting the, the bag with your bare hands yeah, feels it, bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't feel good. It does yeah. not feel good, you know. Your, yeah, wrist, your wrist definitely has to get stronger, too. Yeah, and what, what helps, and obviously what has helped me, is that, you know, obviously I coach boxing, so, you know, my, my hands and my wrists have taken a lot over the years. Yeah. I've got several, you know, I broke my right hand eight times. I broke my left hand three times. Wow. So my hands have been broken many times, so obviously there's a lot of bone, extra bone and shit in there, you know. It's like, they're lumpy. Um, so my movement's a little bit off for certain things, but, you know, for, for the bare knuckle, my hands are, I, I don't know, they seem pretty solid, honestly. That's, per- that's good. Yeah, lovely. But that's all you do? You just basically you just train? I literally just train without gloves. Um, um, I'm purchasing, um, I can't remember what it's called. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a sandbag, but it's like a cotton material and you can like hang it up or whatever. It's for the old, like, <laughs> That yeah. shit stuff, I don't know. You're not like punching bamboo trees. No, so basically <laughs> this thing, like you put same it on the floor. Same so, yeah, same thing. You put it on the floor. You're not like breaking, you know, pieces of wood. Like, oh, yo, you're not doing that. No, I was I, telling I, them I, to get a two by four and just yeah, start Yeah, two hitting. by four and just think, yeah, I, what I was doing, I did actually have a little yeah. bit of two by four and I used to just sit there with just like a little bit of wood. And just hit it. And just tapping my knuckles. So the tie, just tie boxes do this with the shins. And obviously I do three sessions a week without gloves, like 100%. And then mm-hmm. obviously I do extra work in that time as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously with my bit work anyway, so my wrists are always taking it. But then with the punching, yeah, I, I punch down onto like a like a hard bit of wood and, and like a, a a bag of sand, and just do like solid shots. You feel like you punch percentage wise less hard than you punch with gloves, right? Um, or yes, no, or you don't not, even think about it. Not really. Like when I'm whacking the bag, like I'm whacking the bag is like I'm. You whack in the bag. bag. What about like in a fight? <laughs> in a fight, I, I threw some big shots. No, I, I, yeah. I, I got a couple of his chin, but you know, it was just yeah. could have better angles, better shots. But still, I put power in all, all of my shots. I was. I think. But when- you try to think to throw throw a little bit lighter, yeah, just because you know you're trying to not break your hands. Mm-hmm. I think boxers time. going into bare knuckle, they have a harder time adjusting. So I spoke to Paulie Malignaggi, and he fought Artem Lobov, and he I went up to him like when he went to the next fights and. I was there with Jake and I said, I said, what was the difference? Cause I knew Jake was going to fight for them. And I said, what did you feel that you learned from that? He said, don't punch like a boxer, mm-hmm. especially a boxer sure. because they're waiting. They're wearing eight ounce gloves and the bigger guys are wearing tens yeah. MMA. What are they for? Um, yeah, four, four ounces. Four. There's a big difference between eight ounces sure. and four ounces. Mm-hmm. So I think, and again, why are punches getting repeated blows to the head in boxing? There's more deaths and concussions and all that in boxing than an MMA or bare knuckle. And I think that, MMA fighters have a little bit of an advantage knowing that how, how hard to hit. You know, I heard a counter argument to that. That was kind of interesting. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I was watching, listening to, I think it was fighter in the kid or below the belt. One of yeah. those guys, but Brendan Shaw was talking about how, because bare knuckles so new mm-hmm. that they haven't had enough time to sort of develop those statistics in the same way that MMA and oh, the medical has. stuff. Yes. And, and it kind of made me think a little bit just like, like sure for the most part you're getting cut up but like an actual set of knuckles to like your temple or something full mm-hmm. force from a guy like you you know like i don't know i don't know obviously i'm not a doctor but mm-hmm. you know i don't know what that does to your brain and i don't mm-hmm. know like a career like someone who i think a lot of guys now they're coming from either boxing or mma right transitioning into yeah. the sport but there'll come a time if this sport lives mm-hmm. out you know longevity the way that I think it will, where people will have been only career bare knuckle boxers. Mm-hmm. So they've taken a ton of these bare knuckle punches to the head for, I don't to know, 15, what? 14 years, like a career like yours, you know, yeah. what do you think about something about that? I don't know the longevity of them, how long they're, I mean, I don't know if they'd stay in it for 15 years. 
That's you know what I'm saying? So too. you understand these guys are coming from right now. They're coming from an MMA background, a boxing background. So they're not may not want to, and they're older. There's older guys in there too. You know, guys yeah, that are in there. Yeah, like well, the kids okay, who watch so him. Jared, and like, oh, yeah. Okay, so you look at Jared Grant. You know, that was mm-hmm. his first professional fight. You know, he's got um, a handful of amateur fights as well. You know, I just, I would hope that he has the right people around him and that they say that this isn't a sport. I think people want to understand this isn't a sport you're going to stay in for, you know, 30 fights. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. You know, so um, I just, I think that that's, that's more, it's going to be more of the, that kind of a sport. So what's your plan with Bare Knuckle? Going to go with the flow right now. Knock so, off some heads. Well, that's the thing I think with doors open, take quintessential out. fighter. Simple as that. Answer right there. There's a small. You understand to the roster. The roster's small right now. Okay, so you know how many you know, fighters he, they have? Um, I don't know exactly, but like he's they have him ranked. There's ranking right now, and he's ranked like between 185 and 195, which isn't even his weight class. So, but he's ranked like number seven, I think there. But he's gonna fight at 175, and then they have top 10 rankings. So. And they all kind of know each other. So they're all kind of close, you know? Because mm-hmm. so there's still, not a lot of people that are doing this. Man. Yeah. They're and right. they, they're growing. They're growing. But right now, I think that, you know, there's going to be waves mm-hmm. of, of it. Just like in boxing, there's waves of the new talent. Like the 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 Triple Gs and the Canellos are there. And they're coming out. And they got the Devin Haney's and the, and the Ryan Garcia's that are coming in. So I think there's going to be waves in Bare Knuckle, too. I think they're going to be a little bit more um, consistent waves because you're not going to be fighting for that that many fights. I mean, that's just, that's just, just I how I see it. So mm-hmm. as a manager, what do you like? You have an athlete that's coming in to do bare knuckle. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of like, cause it's getting a ton of exposure right now. So do you see that for most people more like a stepping stone to open doors for, you know, other things, maybe MMA or, or, or traditional boxing or Hollywood yeah. stuff or like, mm-hmm. or, or where is that? Mm-hmm. Where does that like career, that short sort of term career sit in the trajectory of an entire career for someone in combat sports? For so you. I would prefer, I like that Jake had the experience he had in MMA. That was a big thing. I like that he had two boxing matches and I saw both of them and I know what his issues were in boxing, you know, um, and I think it's more stylistic, but I think that Jake could, could box too. If, if, if he wanted to, he could still do MMA. So that's the thing with bare knuckle. He's not totally signed just to bare knuckle. Uh, even if he, you know, we're going to sign a contract with BKFC and with that contract, we can still do MMA and boxing if he chooses to. Um, I, you know, somebody like Jared Grant going in, that's an interesting thing for me. I don't know if I would necessarily um, want my fighter to go from the amateurs and make his pro debut in bare knuckle. Um, okay. that's a little bit more concerning to me, but, um, I understand why he did because maybe he wasn't getting the opportunities because it's, it's, it's not easy. You know, you see all these big names, but people don't understand what goes on in the business side. And I've dealt with it myself in my career. So, um, you know, I think having an MMA background, having experience in MMA and boxing, they've got some guys in there who only had seven boxing matches. You know, one guy was undefeated, I believe in boxing. And then he went into a bare knuckle and it's his second fight or first fight, you know? So I think that you're going to see, um, better, uh, better technique and skill in those that have more of a background in MMA. And I think that's really who bare knuckle is going to kind of bring in, you know, or, you know, or they have, or they're just tough and they just have a lot of street fights, you know, maybe it's not calculated or it's not, you know, they don't have them listed, but they have right. street fights too. Like and you a can Masvidal just tell. type guy. Yeah. You can tell, but then Masvidal, but now look at him too. You know what I mean? That's again, sure. the MMA background, you know, he came into it, but they have to learn the skill. There's going to be a skill that applies to bare knuckle as well, okay, which is still going back evolving. to the context. Cause you well off right now. What are you <laughs> What your ass was. <laughs> How did I go? I in the I term did. of me fighting in bare knuckle, where yeah. do we want us to go in the next short term? Oh, oh I think 
Do we I don't think we're talking about you. I think we're talking about athletes. Oh, yeah. but well, my question was general, but I am interested. Yeah, I, okay, thank you. So I can, okay, so I can, I can get to that now. So it's about Jake, but we'll get back to that. So I was just trying to inform the audience and how this, how I'm I see it as a manager. sitting in the middle of this. Twenty minutes so, later. So, so anyway, so with Jake, in regards to Jake, I think you know, for for me, uh, seeing his whole personality, his his work ethic, his dedication, who he's got around him, um, everything that he's doing, and his desire for more of that. I mean, he's marketable. I mean, I, I look at him like he's a media darling too. People love him. Um, anybody who puts a camera on him, he's very um, animated characters. So obviously, you can see all that. So I think there's definitely going to be opportunity for him there. We just got to get him fighting some more, you know. And um, you know, how many fights have you had in the United States? Total. Free. Okay. So everything was in no, everything was in England, uh, you know, or was, other places, yeah, other states, out of the country. Fair, yeah, so yeah. people don't know him here yet. So that was a big part of why I was like, yeah, I definitely, because obviously, you know, I need to make sure that I could work with him, and secondly, I needed to make sure I could deliver what I feel and I see, because if I couldn't do it for him, I would bring, send him somewhere else. But I believe that, you know, and I, I believe with his in his marketing and his ability, and like I said, the people he has around him, I think that the it's really endless. Like the sky's the limit, literally, with him. And I think that um, whether it's Hollywood, he wants to do that. He'd like to do that. I think modeling is also something that um, we've been approached already. Contenders Clothing has approached me about, you know, doing some some photo shoots with him. And I think that, you know, as long as we we pick and strategize correctly, I think that there's not just take everything that comes. It's got to be sure. smart. And I think that's where, you know, I've done that with my career in certain areas. And I've seen how it's done because I've worked, you know, doing PR for promotional companies. So I kind of have a good background and I have good resources that if I don't know the answer, I'm not shy to go ask somebody to help me out or what do you think mm -hmm. you know so um i think the sky's really the limit with him but the focus like phil said earlier the focus needs to be on the fighting right now and then everything mm -hmm. else can grow around it but it's got to work around that mm -hmm. yeah well, i think it's a really good platform for all of that because it's getting so much attention right now everyone's kind of watching it just like well, this is crazy and like mm -hmm. what what the hell is going to happen with it Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, you weren't even fully bought in at the beginning, but now that you've seen mm -hmm. it, like, I think they've done an amazing job mm -hmm. on social media yeah, and promoting right. it. Yeah. Like the production the present, value yeah, that's was, was uh -huh. great. The you know, production, the slow-mos, the way they, the, everything yeah. they do and how they do their stuff. Even, um, uh, like granted it's like the whole COVID thing going on, you know, there's, you're limited in what you can do with an actual physical event, mm -hmm. but I thought that was super well run. You know, it, it all mm -hmm. seemed pretty on time. Like, the you guys didn't see the weigh-ins too. The weigh-ins no, were really, the weigh-ins were really awesome too. Yeah. The way they did the whole production of the weigh-ins, I was like, it was like a legit, like a big card, you know, like a Showtime HBO, like that yeah. kind of a card. I was like, wow, this is, and, and David's put a lot, like, cause he's, he's in boxing. His father trained several world champions. So David grew up in boxing. He boxed and his father used to have camps at the house, you know, in, in Pennsylvania where he's from. And, you know, he understands and he's watched and he's grown in the sport and he's seen it. And his brother does celebrity boxing. Um, so I think uh, Damon. And so I think they have that in the family. So his vision, along with the people he has around him, it just, it's great. It's great to see. Yeah, it's cool. And I, they have the, they definitely have the attention of all the other fight leagues. You know, you as soon as other fight leagues start talking shit about another one, you know that they're feeling oh, yeah. threatened. Like they're feeling a little bit of heat from it. So yeah. uh, you definitely, you're definitely seeing that. But yeah, I think it, it's a really cool it's a cool spot for the sport. And I love that like Miami, Florida is like one of the first places to be like, you know, fucking anything goes, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's test it out here. Yeah, so we are. got to come and watch your first yeah, fight, which is awesome. awesome. You know, I'm We're going to go to the next one in March. You know, if that all comes it together. Um, but yeah, it's super cool. It's cool. Also kind of like to feel like we've been fans in on the ground floor with it all starting. And you know, you're going to see the evolution of it and see yeah, it be so personally cool. involved. Because you guys, you know what I'm saying? You get that firsthand experience. And that's a lot of things, even with boxing, 
where, you know, I forgot because like I started so young and fighting in these huge venues, like the Alamo Dome, Madison Garden, and the Forum, I forget how it's like, whoa, when I brought people in that aren't from the boxing world, and they're just like, just tripping out. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, this is how it all goes down. And, and when you're just in it for so long, you, it makes me reappreciate it, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? And sit back and say, wow. So I think that you, as you guys see that too and, and grow it, you're going to be like, wow, like you're going to see it from the beginning. So you're going to gain a lot of knowledge and experience mm-hmm. too from it. Phil, yeah. do you think you would do a bare knuckle fight if you weren't retired? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Listen, I'm. Can I manage you? Mm-hmm. There we go. She just, she just wants to have one up on me. That's what it is. She wants to control me now. No, I definitely would. Um, I mean, I'm gonna start sparring again now that my knees feels better. You know, it's it's something that's in you no matter what. So I think, yeah, if I was still actively fighting, definitely I'd probably make that transition, especially being able to corner him and watch him and be there right then. And it's different, man. People don't understand it in, until they get in there. You know, um, whether it be closing a cage door or stepping inside some ropes, like this you versus that other individual that's trying to take your fucking head off. And only a very small percentage of individuals in this lifetime get to really feel that. And that's a different feeling. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to feel that soon. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. That's cool. How did you guys, how did you guys like the bare knuckle fight? Yeah. Though? I didn't really get to ask you guys that. Uh, yeah, I, I liked like out of all of the fights, I, I like yours the best, not just because you're sitting here, but we said that, you know, because it, it, I I like the ones where skill is evident. Yeah. Like you can see both guys have a game plan and they're trying to execute that okay. game plan. Mm-hmm. The ones I didn't appreciate as much, like they're still cool to see in a highlight reel, like the, yeah. the fast knockouts and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But the like I felt like some of them were very mismatched for sure 100%. you know what i mean yeah, and, yeah. like I, and with time i think as you're gonna, a, see, that. You're gonna mm-hmm. see less of that mm-hmm. where you're just kind of like feeding bit. some guy to the wolves but yeah. um those ones i didn't like as much and also the ones that were just like two guys just going nuts mm-hmm. you yeah. Know? Yeah, no like, yeah no skill again like like there's parts of that that fight. are fun to watch. You know, yeah, it's like a street fight. If you saw one on the street, I'm not going to look away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to see what happens. But like, yeah. what I appreciate is this, the skill of the the sport more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought you guys both displayed that really well. So, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah have, you, have you guys watched the show Kingdom? Kingdom? Yeah. So it's funny because Callan came to the came uh-huh. to my podcast uh-huh. and we got to and she knows him from back then so I asked him about it and he was like oh yeah he's in it he's a manager he's the yeah. manager yeah. right <laughs> he's like the Russian guy yeah. Yeah. I was like bro yeah, did yeah, you yeah, play yeah, the yeah, Russian yeah. guy he was like yeah yeah <laughs> I watched the whole series man cause I was like you know what and I don't really watch a whole lot of shit like I really Vikings is one obviously uh-huh. and then I, and then that one Game of Thrones I'm I'm not like too in favor of that I don't know why I just maybe what would you have against it I'm not like um, can, I mean my bad bro it's English it's an English no, thing bro, no you do you so no, <laughs> you no. like it he likes it no no just a Saxon of type Thrones. of type oh. of style like I'm more of a Viking like I feel I feel a difference in that I, I don't know maybe uh, you know what I do like is the new one what is it um Last Kingdom the Last Kingdom I, don't I haven't watched it check that one out that's similar to I, Game I, of Thrones I, I, I uh we watched like maybe thirty seconds of Vikings and then we were like nah. Oh, really? No, yeah. you, well, she fell asleep after thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. I watched. A few episodes. Okay, but hold on. Let's it's go back good. to let's go back to Kingdom. So, 
So watch the whole thing. Yeah, watch the whole thing. I think that they did a great job. Like, because that is when you're coming up in like the regional scene, that's really how it is. Like, have you guys watched it? Except for like all the fucking drugs and the drinking that they were doing, I was like, that's a little excessive. Yeah, we're not really drinking and doing cocaine after fights. Like, that's yeah, they party really doing that much. Yeah, they party a whole fuck time. I was like, legit, go eat some twenty nuggets and just go. Yeah, yeah, it's a little different, man. (laughs) Yeah, it was overplayed a little bit. Yeah, but but as far as like how how you know, fights get mismatched and manipulated and, and fucking you got promoters trying to get deals out of people and the shistiness mm-hmm. of what's going on, especially in the lower levels in the regional scene, mid-level guys, because that's what I lived, you know, fighting in like backwoods of Louisiana for fucking years, you know, getting not only as an amateur, we're talking about fighting professional, like in professional rules as an amateur, getting elbowed and kneed and shit and not having like regulation gloves I remember my first amateur fight, bro, was in a barn yeah. in Cutoff, Louisiana. And this is like population 500. Like, there's the nobody there. The town is Cutoff? Cutoff, Louisiana, yes. All it's right. legit. It's a good place start. I want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> it was in a fucking barn, first of all. And I remember I didn't have gloves because I thought they were giving us gloves. It was my first amateur fight. And I had to borrow my teammates' gloves, who also... Let me mind you, he was a heavyweight, so gloves didn't fit me basically. And they were UFC gloves from Walmart. <laughs> and they let that shit go. They were like, Yeah, no oh problem. Oh, wow. I ended up beating the fuck out of this guy, like with these little ass gloves. <laughs> they were probably like two ounce gloves <laughs> over like too big for my like, size, you know. This yeah, it was nothing. It was like, I might as well fall bare knuckle that night. I feel like <laughs> fighters have the best stories. Like when, you know, when you've really been in the game and you've come up and, you know, things, stories like that. And I'm sure Jake has a bunch, you know, I have a lot of stories like corner, corner stories. You could do like Bruh. an episode just on corner stories, yeah. like sharing from, from trainers, cut men, you know, um, fighters just talking about like what happens in, in fights, like, you know, just crazy things. What's your best? Oh my God. I have so many. Like I had, I had, I mean- Shoot, they they changed. I think I might have said this before, but they they told you guys and they changed the rounds in the middle of the fight. Mm. Like I I went out and I was fighting, and I've had that happen twice to me. Mexico in Mexico, and no, I oh then I changed and all. I went from fighting in the forum and 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 you know at the you know co feature on pay per view to Shane Mosley Marga too to fighting in in a gymnasium in in Tijuana and changing (laughs) in 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 an electrical closet because I had nowhere no there was no locker rooms you know peeing in like open stalls where like horses go you know what I mean it was just crazy stuff but I think that was actually the fight I had another fight in TJ where. I fought and they changed the rounds in the middle of the fight. So I thought it was a six rounder. So I went out and the ref in the fourth, in the third round going to the fourth, he said last and final round. And I'm like, okay, so I guess I got to come out and fight. So uh-huh. I came out and I was just given everything I had the last round. I come back, I hugged the girl you know, after the fight. We go back to our corners and my coach is like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, we got two more rounds. Sit down. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so then I had to go back out and fight another. So mentally you've got to be resilient, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't, and even just even the, everything's not going to be perfect. You know, and I like those challenges for me, you know, personally. And I think I'm sure they do too, because it shows you what you can overcome mm-hmm. and how much of this game is mental. Yeah. It's like, dude, I don't give a shit. Wherever that ring is, that's my home. Everything so once I get in those ropes, like I'm comfortable there. Yeah. You can do whatever you want to me outside the ring. And that's life. Mm-hmm. Like every day life's going to present challenges and every day you're going to have to get over that, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, and that's what makes or breaks a fighter. Mm-hmm. And going back to kind of what he, what Phil was talking about before, you know, getting tested, I personally feel my losses, my two losses were my biggest tests. And one of them was on one of the biggest stages. It was in Madison Square Garden. It was my first world title. And um, it was my one of my obstacles. My coach couldn't be there. He went to Belgium with a male fighter. 
And I went in there and I was like, okay, well, I got to do this. I can't lose this opportunity. It was with top rank. Bob Aram was like, you can be the face of women's boxing. He was saying that they wanted to sign me. And I was like, here it goes. I'm 13 and 0. I'm about to, I dropped her in the first round, fifth round, blew my eardrum. I fought five rounds in no equilibrium. Damn. And I was- Is that common? It happens. Yeah, it does. But when you've never blown your eardrum before and you're like, why am I hearing whoosh in my head and why am I not It affects your balance and stuff Everything. So for me though, muscle memory and will carried me through the fight. And then, you know, I walk back to the corner and people that have seen it, I'm, I'm not right, you know? And I didn't know that my corner didn't know me well enough to know that. So it was really, it was really difficult, you know, but I remember that fight and the last round I couldn't stand up anymore. So 30 seconds left, I went down and I, and it's on actually on Google images. It's me on the floor and people look at it and I'm like, I'm proud of that picture. And I know my manager's like, why? Like, because <laughs> I didn't, in that moment, I'm like, why am I on the floor right now? I couldn't figure it out. It wasn't cause she cracked me and I went down. It was like, I couldn't stand up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I remember in that moment I was thinking, what, what's going on? You know? And I got up and I remember when they announced the decision with her, with the belt, I'm like, that's my fucking belt. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was so mad. It wasn't like, Oh, I lost it. Oh, I'm hurt. Oh, it was like, no, I want to fight again. Like now, like let's figure out what's wrong and come back. Yeah. And that's when, you know, you know, and then I had another loss right after that. And I mean, when you go back to back like that and go through that and you know, that's how I'm like, I know I'm a fighter and I know this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing mm. because those challenges and those, and I'm sure, you know, Bro. It's like, you've got to be aware made from a different cloth. You know what I mean? Just a different kind of animal mm-hmm. when you're just sitting there and people are like, you're crazy. I'm like, it's a little bit of crazy. Yeah. Bro. You got, I mean, he came back, come from those losses and then, and then goes on and he didn't want to stop. And I know he didn't want to stop. I don't know it personally, but I could tell you until he at least won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. You know, you have to reach that place. I had some, yeah. You had what three about, losses. I had one, I had one turn around. I and had, then, uh, you know, I, I had three wins back to back. My debut was from 16 or whatever. I had three wins and then I had six losses and I won no contest. I was, te- and, and, uh, so I won DQ so I, or something. So whatever, I was like three and seven. Like, yo, what am I doing in my career? Yeah. After that, turned it round and I had 11 fight win streak. How did you turn it around? I, I don't know. I just said, I kind of said to myself like, okay, this is going to be it. And I got a fight against this kid, whatever. And I was just like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm either for this or I ain't like, I yeah. need to get a win. And I got a, 30, a 32 second uh, TKO. And I was like, yeah. And it just got my drive straight back up. And the losses weren't bad, bad losses. Like I gave people decent fights. Like I lost to like dumb things. Like one of them had a broken hand. Like I quit. Uh, one of them I actually tapped out to ground and pound. I will never do that again. You talked about it, bro. Uh-huh. My guy is so. Did you think? Did you ever think you weren't good enough? Yeah, and honestly, I know it's so bad and so sad, but like sometimes I still think it now, and I think that really affects my performance in the gym. We see that a lot. Like when it comes to fighters, they're super like. It's very hard for them to be not in their head. You know what I mean? Like when you get into a fight with him, I'm always reiterating the fact that he has what it takes and he has the ability to end someone's life like right then and there. Mm-hmm. Cause you have to have that. I know it sounds crazy, but you have to have that, that, Killer instinct. that fucking instinct. Like, yes, I have your hands. I have your life in my hands right now. I could take you out as easy as I want to. Bruh, so powerful. So. Right. <laughs> And even in that fight, the last fight where we were like, get your fucking head up because I knew he had one more round to go, even though this is not what we thought was going to happen. You always have to be ready for the His unexpected. Death, I have a question. Sudden sudden, when you're done, yeah. The sudden fucking, the, 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 we're, we're making up rules today. But I was like, listen, if you're going to make extra money, be ready to go. And all you have is two minutes. 
two minutes to fucking make sure you solidify this win and make a little bit extra cash. And really all he had to do was... I would have done that for free, though. No, nah, for sure. We would, I wouldn't have let you as your manager. <laughs> bro, I would not give it a round, bro. But no. at, at the end of the day, we all, I mean, we all fought for fucking no money. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. it's just the extra cash gives you the opportunity yeah, this, to yeah. be like, all right. And you get the chance to actually solidify the win, which is even more important mm-hmm. in all yeah. in all actuality, right? Hold on. Okay, hold on. I have two really important questions. The first question is... I don't know where I want to go first, but okay. So you know how in Kingdom, there were very powerful reasons. (laughs) There were very powerful reasons why people got into fighting. Yeah. I feel like every single boxer or fighter I've met over the past like little while has a very powerful reason why they enter the sport. What was yours? Well, there's two reasons. One, I felt like my football career was cut short. And I've always been very athletic. I've always been very aggressive. And so when it got cut short due to family issues, I was like, I got That's it, the family issues. Yeah. What were family issues? Well, my parents got sick. My parent, my mother caught lupus and my dad got in a bad like car accident. So he was like basically wheelchair ridden. He is tripping. Go, go, go. Yeah, go check him. But um, he's got it. He got it. We're good. My wife's coughing. So my whole thing was like, all right, well, I got to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life now. Because when I first did this thing, you know, it's just like when you're powerlifting, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to set world records. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I was going to go to the league. Like my whole goal, me and that guy out there. We were all looking, we're going to go to NFL, play in South Florida. This is what we do, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, we're not, it's not uncommon for us to fight on a daily basis. I've been fighting since I was, what, seven years old, maybe even younger than that. My first fight I got into, I was in preschool. We had a conversation about this earlier. What'd that motherfucker do? He's calling me names, man. (laughs) Just calling me names. I had a popping one time. And, uh, you know, and so I've been fighting. So that was, like I said, it's primal. My whole thing was like, all right, I need to make sure that I have some type of uh, stamp in this world. So if fighting was going to be that outlet, then that's what it was going to be. And whatever happens from there, whatever road that that leads me to, now it leads me to coaching. So be it. But the goal was to always set my name in the record books or in place and make sure that I magnify my legacy in any way, shape, or form. Damn. Boom. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's it's so it's like my my I mean, it was always like about the why, but I think for me, I well, I was in an abusive relationship. So I think I went to the gym by accident to better myself for that person. But growing up as a kid, I had a severe emotional issues. A lot of, I struggled a lot emotionally with expressing myself. My dad was super strict. Speak when you're spoken to, you know, do what you're told when you're told. And I'm just not that person I've never been. So I felt like I was being forced to be something that wasn't natural to me. Um, and then when I found the boxing gym and I would hit things, cause I used to break things in my house. I was super violent. You know, my parents, they wanted to send me away. They thought there was something, well, there was something wrong with me. You know, um, I had a lot of issues and just emotional. And so when I started hitting the bag, it was like, oh my gosh. But you know, I know what Jake has gone through when it comes to like doubting yourself and not believing in yourself. And I carried a lot of that abuse with me, mental, physical, emotional for years. And I got to say, it wasn't until like, somewhat recently that I actually owned my truth and realized that I'm deserving 
You know, I mean, there was a time where I struggled with depression and it, I was always fighting to, to almost prove to myself that I could, you know, and it was really to prove to my dad, you know, I could do this because he said in this house, you have to work and go to school. You can't do all three. And I was like, don't tell me I can't do something. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Then it was million dollar baby. I was like, oh, she's a sparring partner. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm freaking, I'm a freaking champion, you know? And then I had losses and people were mean. And I was like, what the hell? And I'm like, why are you doing this? You know? And again, my why became to prove it to myself, everybody else kind of got quiet around me. I didn't care anymore. And it kind of became my own personal battle. And I was fighting myself for years in showing like, no, you can do this. You're deserving. You're good enough. You know, it was up until, uh, well, when I started, when I like came back out here, um, two years ago that I had a coach that I was working with, tell me that I wasn't athletic. My feet were clumsy and I should retire. And guess what? I, I have, I have a video of me crying. I, I documented it because I wanted to go back to that moment. And I'm like, what is wrong? Why doesn't anybody believe? Or is it me? And now at first it was me that didn't believe. Now I finally believe. And now I have people telling me they don't believe. And now I'm like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. You know, and then the injury and everything that came. But I got to tell you, I am in a place now, which is why I can understand what Jake's situation is that when you get yourself and you free yourself of those demons and those chains that have held you back and you understand and you get like, it's like the fuckets, you know what I mean? I don't know if it's experience, if it's age. I'm like, dude, I got nothing to lose. Like who can say they've done what I've done? I got nothing to lose, you know? So go in there and live. And I'm living the life that I've always dreamed of living. It came with a price. It comes with a price, you know, being single, not having kids, not getting married. It's come with a price Mm -hmm. and I'm going to see it through to the end. And then, you know, we'll see what life has for me then. But I think it's been mostly to prove, prove, prove until it came about proving it to myself and now owning it. So common theme again, amongst the fighters, a lot of, uh, um, self-confidence issues in the sense of like not knowing if you're actually cut for the sport or good enough. So uh, what percentage of the sport you think is mental? Oh, 90, yeah. 90%. 90% or more 90%. for sure. Well, so in what the gym, you will hold yourself beast. back. I'm an animal. Yep. Anyone in front of me right there and then when I'm working and I'm mm-hmm. at my best in the gym, I promise you I'll end anybody. So, yeah. like that. so percentage wise of your time, how much do you spend actually working on your mental game not much and it's something new that how does that make any sense that's i had you know i had i'll tell you what i'll tell you what i'll tell you what it is a common thing i'll tell you what and i've never had god i had let me tell you i had a crazy realization in 2017 after losing a pretty big powerlifting competition um and then being crushed and then almost suffering from it in all the other competitions afterwards. Cause I felt like, you know, it, it was a, a, a hit directly to my ego and my confidence. Like I thought I was the best and then I kind of wasn't right. And that's when I realized I'm like, dude, I spent, I asked myself that exact question that I asked you guys, like what percentage of my sport do I think is mental? Like how important do I think, you know, being in tune with your emotions, being able to control your emotions and being mentally strong and having a callous mind, how important do I think that is? And I said the same thing, 90%. I said, if I, I thought to myself that if I was able to control my mind in those situations of high pressure and, Mm -hmm. and just overall have a more positive view of myself Mm -hmm. that I could crush anybody. And that's when I started working like with, with a a psychologist, a Mm -hmm. sports psychologist. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to me, like you guys recognize that a big portion of the sport is. I think most do. Most like if you do. ask any athlete, they'll say something similar, 80, 90%. See, but they don't understand that they are doing that, but it cannot be done. And you know, it can't be done until you step on the platform or until you step into the ring. 
like a hundred percent accuracy of how you're going to feel when the time comes. It's really when that happens is when you see true champions come out, right? The elite will rise above because of that situation at hand. If you can't do that, then you're going to be a subpar athlete. You'll be a subpar competitor. So he may say that he doesn't do it, but he does do it. He does it in different fashions inside the training room. But again, you can only get that truly in competition. But he's doing it the same way he knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. Instead of gathering sure. other tools it's, from other people who yeah, might no, have better sure. suggestions and strategies. Because that's what yeah. so we're, that's what working with a sports psychologist is. Like mm-hmm. he essentially, yeah, you you have the grit, you are the talent, you've been doing this for however many years. You obviously do work on your on your mental strength every day that you're at the gym and every day that any one of those thoughts comes into your mind. Mm-hmm. But what a sports psychologist does essentially is that they present you with more options mm. so it's like when you encounter that uh, ro- uh road and roadblock yeah block yeah. the road or fork in the, the road fork in the road you have only a and b like those are the the options that jake has developed but when a, someone else comes in is like hey you know you have b c d e f g h a j k those are all the other options you have these are all the other tools that you have well i also it's empowering I, it really is i also look at it like you you go to the best for all of the different parts of your game Right. Like you go to Phil for strength and conditioning in MMA because he's the best. Right. You if you're working on your nutrition, you go to the best. You don't just try to like figure shit out on your own if you have the ability to go like outside of that. Sure. So it's like I think that yeah. sports psychology is it's more popular now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's super underutilized because it's mm-hmm. like, sure, you can just be a mentally tough person. But how yeah. much better Cool. Yeah, because it's an be edge. If you, yeah, well, it is. It's I feel like, it's an edge. and I've worked as a sports psychologist too, and I've and I've been in therapy since I was seven. So I agree with you one hundred percent, and I've seen the benefits even for myself. When my life outside of the ring was was healthier, my life inside the ring became healthier as well. And and I think that they shared, you know, um, and 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 Jake and I have spoken about that. But I feel like with fighters, we're very stubborn. And we don't, and I think elite athletes in general, and they don't let a lot of people in because they've really done a lot on their own. We keep very small circles. Sure. I don't know if it's the same with, with powerlifting, but I know in fighting it is. And I think it takes, like, we've talked about some things and I've said some things. I think that the fighter has to be ready for that. It's almost like, you know, what the, what the Buddhists say, you know, when, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there are little things that we've kind of been working on in the gym, um, whether I say it or Phil says it, or Derek says it with Jake. To kind of like, and there has been adjustments. There has been, especially after that fight, we knew that what we were leading to into that fight wasn't going to happen right away. But now I see it now how he sees how it affects him in the fight. I now see that change. I absolutely am all for that. And Mm -hmm. mental coach, you know what I mean? Like uh, I, we've talked about it. So we're definitely on the road to that, Mm -hmm. but it's got to be easy because I understand the mind of a fighter because you're not just going to let somebody be like, bro, what the hell have you done? You know what I'm saying? Like you've never done this. You have no idea. So they got to kind of like just start to trust. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of using some of my, my tools and Phil's using his tools and Derek use his tools to kind of give him that guidance until he's ready mm-hmm. to get that opportunity. But I, I, I are ready for that experience, but I we're on that road. Mm-hmm. So, and thank you for sharing that because I think that's sure. huge and people need to hear about that. Mm-hmm. And, and I've always been an advocate of it. It's not a weakness. It's, it's definitely mm-hmm. an advantage. It you is know? an advantage, hundred percent. It's, uh-huh. it's an, a rock unturned until yeah. you turn and, it over. And Jake's you know? the kind of, of person that he, if you tell him, and he's just like me, which is another reason I wanted to work with him, is if you tell him something in the moment, he he's not going to do it, mm. but he'll think about it and then he'll apply it how he sees fit. 
you know, and that's, what's made him and gotten him to where he is and be like, well, why don't you just listen the first time? It's like, cause you were just not made like that. It's yeah. hard. I, I, yeah. yeah. I say like, I do something called whatever the hell I want. And Derek's done that with me where Derek's like, you know, do this, do that in boxing, not so much in strength and conditioning. I think with him, I'm more like, gimme, 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 you know, specifics. But with Derek, I'm a little bit more like, eh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, then it doesn't work. And he's like, I was like, okay, now I'll do it your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I want to be respectful of Phil's time because you're probably getting yelled at by your <laughs> wife right now. But I do so have good. one more question because you did yeah. say we were going to touch on uh, the business aspect. What I was so, interested in was you've obviously been in the game for a really long time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've earned your stripes and all that. But very mm-hmm. recently, you've sort of reached this new level of exposure. You're getting a ton of attention and recognition yeah. from a lot of people, which is awesome. Congrats Thank on you. that. Um what was the turning point for you? Because I'm sure there's a bunch of coaches yeah. out there listening right now who are like, who are in similar positions that you were in the past. Who are like, how the hell do I get to that next level? Well, I mean, it, there's a bunch of different things. I think the one is is I don't want to say luck, but just being blessed with being in the right place at the right time. In some some cases, you know, and then being able to rise to the occasion when you get that time. Sure. Right. So it's not. I mean, which, who you know gets you in the door is what you know that keeps you in the door. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. for me, I think obviously getting a, a good platform to start with at American Top Team, working with the best fighters in the world, and then being able to create results with that. That's really what helped me catapult. Because I've been doing this since I was 19, 20 years old. So now being 32, you know, when I started doing more content, putting out more content, showing people that I know what I'm doing, and then getting the results with high-level athletes, that actually helped me. When, it, when you're talking about getting that recognition, that's where it developed. Um, but what I would say for the young coaches out there, just keep at it. You know what I mean? Keep trying to progress. There isn't a time in the day where I'm actually not trying to learn and progress and learn from yeah, any anything that has to do with my craft and anything that's around that. You know, it doesn't have to be just about strength and conditioning. It could be anything from psychology right? Metaphysics, any type of thing that is going to enhance my ability to communicate and also help others. And that's why I think that that's where I was able to take it to the next level, you know, but I think one young coaches think that they're just going to go ahead and adapt that ability to get, you know, more people's eyes on them just because they put out content. That's not it, right? You have to be able to one, be good and then be consistent, and be consistently good with that, whatever you're putting out. And then also make sure that you're putting in the effort day in and day out. Honestly, it's not that hard when you're talking about reaching a level of success, you know, it's just putting in the effort and putting in smart effort too, as well. A lot Mm -hmm. of people think hard work is the, is the major thing, but you can work hard at shit that doesn't matter. I think that you're finding your way and finding out how to work hard and the things that are going to matter and make sure that you organize it accordingly is going to get you to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what you said about like luck is, is an interesting one because it's easy for someone from the outside to look in and be like, oh, right place, right time, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as played out as the saying is, luck mm-hmm. is when preparation, preparation meets opportunity. 100%. And yeah. if you're not so prepared, yeah. you know. I'm, not- I mean, the reason why I got the opportunity at that particular gym was because of the fact that I put in the work six, seven years before that. And people weren't around when I was just doing fucking. That's what people don't see. No. But I don't think when people say that, I don't think that in luck necessarily means that the opportunity fell on your lap. Like to me, luck means you were lucky that you were exposed to fighting. You were lucky that you were able to fight. You were lucky that you had a talent. You were lucky that 
That is what I interpret when people say that. I don't, I don't think that. luck exists. I think that that saying, preparation meets opportunity, is the same as saying luck doesn't exist. It's not lucky. People are presented with tons of opportunities throughout their entire life, and they only capitalize on the ones they're prepared for. Mm -hmm. That's very true. And you that's know? the grind. Yeah, very grinding very it out. And even the moments where you're like, you want to quit, and you yeah. still keep going. You know, I was talking mm -hmm. to another fighter. You know, he's really weathering. I tell him, weather the storm. You know, I love that that photo of the, the guy, you know, hammering through the the, the rock and then the diamonds it's are right, right there, there. Yeah, and yeah. he just turns Stop. around and walks away. It's like, bro, you just yeah. never know. But, but you got to enjoy the process. Too. Oh, yeah. I think because of the, the fact struggle. that like you're if you're looking at the end goal mm -hmm. and you're not enjoying that process, you're never really going to reach the pinnacle of success. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's easy you know to turn I mean? around if you're not. Yeah. If you're like, not I don't even think about that shit. Like when people say like, it's funny because I don't even remember what I've done in the past too much. Like, I don't really recollect a lot. Right. I'm just. I'm always focused on the future, but I'm always focused on, you know, consistently progressing, right? Whether it be a day-to-day -day process or making sure that I'm meeting those little goals each and every day, each and every week, each and every month and every year. And then it just so happens to unfold right mm -hmm. between my eyes, you know, as far as when I keep getting to where I need to be, you know? It seems that way. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. This, this, this opportunity has arrived. Okay, good. Perfect. I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like the more successful that people are in general, mm -hmm. the more automatic that process is. So you mm -hmm. don't even really think about the things that that you're doing to capitalize on. When you when you reminisce about them. when you reminisce about your career, do you wish you had mm -hmm. done something different, or you do you want to change something about like the trajectory you took? Or no, no, it's funny because I get this question a lot, you know, and it's like. I'm blessed for the opportunities and I'm blessed for the position that I'm in working with these individuals that I'm working with now. And people say, well, do you wish you didn't, you know, get a concussion and you didn't play football at a young age and this and that. And it's like, no, because this is what I was meant to do. This is the path that I was supposed to take. And so for that, I'm able to understand and, and almost agree upon where I'm at to this day. And I know that there is a, there is a blueprint to where I'm going to end up. And I just got to keep on doing what I'm doing and striving for excellence. Destiny's fixed. I believe so. I mean, someone I, else I, chose for you. No, I feel like yes. Yes. And no, you know what I mean? I feel like there is a path for everybody and you have to be the one to navigate through that path. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? On that note, <laughs> I think that's a good place to call it. Jake Pilmarine. Thank you guys so, thank much. You so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.